0: Father, that is our prayer for you to be glorified. Not to us, O oh Lord, not to us, but to your name. Give glory. Often we want to accept the worship that only belongs to you. We want people to make much of us. We want people to look at us and praise us, Lord, but we can't handle that type of praise. We cannot handle that glory that only belongs to you. So as we are here right now, Lord God, as your word is about to be opened, may everything be pointed to you. May we glorify you, Lord God. We pray this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Good afternoon, everybody. You know, I, I noticed, like, it's cool, but we got a bunch of seats up here, just open. <laughs> Everybody's sitting in the back. I ain't mad at you, though. I ain't mad at you. I'm, g- I'm glad to see you guys. Man, I don't know if you guys got an extra hour of sleep or if that's just something ethereal that you don't grab a hold to, but glad to see you. Glad to see you here today. If you would, you can get your copy of God's word, either physically or digitally, and meet me in Exodus chapter 19. We're going to look at verses 1 to 17, Exodus 19, uh, verses 1 to 17. And while you are getting that, I have just a couple of things I want to say. First of all, I want to give a shout out to the ladies. I heard yesterday it was a great time uh, of gathering for the ladies. Um, And I just pray that that's just something that continues to build uh, for the ladies, Um, continue to grow with one another, and just to be, uh, just to strengthen one another. And so I'm grateful for those who gave leadership to that and for all of you guys who who came to it. A couple of announcements I need to put out because these are important. On November the 17th, mark your calendar, November the 17th from 7 to 8, we're going to have a covenant partner night, but it's going to be on Zoom. So for those of you who have joined us, become covenant partners, that's what we, that's what we call our members. Or for those of you who have not yet joined, but you consider reconciliation, home, and for those of you who may be kicking the tires and say, man, you know, I want to know more. You are invited. November the 17th from seven to eight. So here's the thing. If we do not have your email, look on the back of your worship guide and there's a QR code that that will take you directly to a connect card. Please fill that connect card out and we can make sure when we send the email out this week or, or whenever we send that for the covenant partner night, that you would be on that list to see what is the zoom link uh, and to to get information about that upcoming Covenant Partners night, November the 17th. And finally, uh, later that week, and this is for the men, there is a unity men's conference that we have been invited to, it's free, uh, but it's gonna be on Zoom. And I need to mention this because the leader of this, 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 um, this men's night is Dr. John Perkins. Uh, many of you have not maybe heard of him, but Dr. Perkins is a true leader in racial reconciliation. He's a real leader. In the winter season of his life, I have had I have many I have, I have had many opportunities to spend with uh, to spend time with him, and he's just a man that you just want to sit at his feet. You just want to sit at his feet. And so he is going to be the main speaker, but we also have some lo- a, a couple of local guys, one of which I'll mench- mention is um, Pastor James White. He will be a part of that as well. And so all of the fellas here, you are invited. Again, if we do not have your email and you want to be a part of this, please fill out a connect card, that that QR code on the back of your worship guide so that um, we can get that information to you. So this would be on the 19th, I think, which is a Friday, that evening, and then the 20th, that Saturday. You are invited to this unity men's conference and now let's turn our attention to God's word in Exodus chapter 19 we have a few verses to read but I do want to read those because this is God speaking and if anything that I want I want to always hear him speak so Exodus 19 verses 1 to 17 it says in the third month from the very day the Israelites left the land of Egypt they came to the Sinai wilderness They traveled from Rephidim, came to the Sinai wilderness, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Moses went up the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on the eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine. And you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you ought to say to the Israelites. After Moses came back, he summoned the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. Then all the people responded together, we will do all that the Lord has spoken. So Moses brought the people's words back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear when I speak with you and will always believe you. Moses reported the people's words to the Lord. And the Lord told Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. They must wash their clothes and be prepared by the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people put boundaries for the people all around the mountain and say be careful that you do not go up on the mountain or touch its base anyone who touches the mountain must be put to death no hand may touch him instead he will be stoned or shot with arrows and not live with an animal or human when the ram's horn sounds a long blast they may go up the mountain then Moses came down from the mountain to the people and consecrated them and they washed their clothes. He said to the people be prepared by the third day do not have sexual relations with women. On the third day when morning came there was a thunder and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud blast from a ram's horn so that all the people in the camp shuddered. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. This is God's word. Colleges have the option for people to take classes without the responsibility. It's called auditing a class. So what happens when a person audits a class? They are able to get the book. They have access to all of the materials. They can listen to all the lectures without the responsibility. Information is available to a person that audits a class, but they don't have the burden of the class. Many Christians come to church on Sunday mornings and Sunday afternoons, in our case, and audit the sermon. They attend the class. They have the textbook the Bible. They go to their normal seats in the class and and they listen to the professor, the preacher to get the information. However, they don't want to be expected to do the assignments or to do the homework. They don't want to take any tests that God would send their way to to figure out or to see if they are growing in their spiritual understanding. Don't send me any tests, God. I don't want that. For this person, they will receive no credits on their transcript. No degree will be conferred. No passing grade. Spiritually, no divine recognition. My friends, what do you think about when you think of church? What do you think about? Is it something that you simply do weekly? To come and hear a good sermon. Is it just something that you do uh, because you want to hear the preacher give a good sermon? And if you come to a space and the preacher is not as good as you want him to be, then you just go online because we can do that now—YouTube or you just go to the website and listen to a good sermon. Is that what is that all church is to you, but to me? Or do you come? on a Sunday, to be equipped for the ministry, for the work of ministry, that you are, when when you are engaged with people outside of the corporate gathering? Is Sunday a time for you to be equipped because you have, I have work to do? Today we're beginning a three week series called The Church and Its Mission. In this series, we're going to look at the purpose of the church. Even in the midst of this global pandemic that all of us are experiencing. We must not ever think that Jesus is somehow hindered from using the church for global impact. COVID is not hindering him. He is still using the church to reach people who are far from God. He is still doing that. So each week, this is the main point that we will have as we look at the church and its mission. I'm going to repeat this every week for three weeks. Here it is. It is God's mission to establish a people who carry out his mission. And the local church is both the object of God's mission and the agent of God's mission. The local church is the object of God's mission. God has determined to rescue a people and call them people to himself. We are the object of that mission and we are the agent of that mission. So now he calls us to himself and then he he strengthens us, equips us, and he sends us out into the world so that other people will come to know who he is. The church is not a building. Growing up, when you mentioned church, I thought of this building that had a steeple on it. Doors that you had to go in. I'm going to church. We say that. You may say that as well. I'm going to a building. But the church is not a building. The church is a people. It is a people. We have been given this responsibility. Not I have been given the responsibility. We have been given this responsibility. And I'm going to stress this because we tend to be very individualistic in our approach to God. My personal savior. I need a word. Have you ever said that? I need, I need. We're very individualistic in loving him and loving our neighbor, loving God. Also, I want to mention this. Jesus didn't die for individuals. Stay with me, though. He didn't die for individuals. He died for a people, a body, a bride consisting of many people united in the bonds of a larger whole. So yes, he did save you, but he saved you in the midst of something bigger than yourself. You don't believe me? Okay. Romans chapter 12 verses 3 3 through 5 says this. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We are the body of Christ. So today we want to look at the fact that the church is not a New Testament concept only. It's not a New Testament concept only. The church was in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. And we also see the church in the Old Testament. We see it in the Old Testament. Collectively, a people. So that's why we are looking at Exodus chapter 19 verses 1 to 17. And so we want to look at God's mission from the beginning. And as we do this, uh, there are three, this is a topical sermon, but there are three aspects of the church that I want to extract as we look at these verses. The first thing I want us to notice is this. In God's mission, it's not about me, but about we. In God's mission, it's not about me, but about we. Secondly, uh, in God's mission his people display his character to the whole world. In God's mission, his people display his character to the whole world. And finally, in God's mission, his people are responsible for one another. In God's mission, his people are responsible for one another. So let's look at the text. The first point, verse two, in God's mission, it's not about me but it's about we verse 2 says they traveled from Rephidim came to the Sinai wilderness and camped in the wilderness Israel camped there in front of the mountain the text says Israel camped there this is a congregation not an as- and an assembly this is not an individual how do I know that Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 10 says this again Deuteronomy that last book of the Pentateuch or the first five books of Moses uh, that Moses gives as he is about to leadership is about to be transitioned this is what this is what he wrote he says on the day of the assembly the Lord gave me two stone tablets inscribed by God's finger on the day of the assembly again Moses writes this to the people of God after they had been rescued, after they'd been brought out of the land of Egypt on their way to the promised land. And the text says in verse 1 that it was three months to the day, to the very day that the Israelites left Egypt. Uh, Scholars would say this is the month of June. Not an individual, but it's thousands upon thousands. Many scholars say these are millions of people that have been rescued that God used Moses and rescued them. And now this congregation, this assembly is at the mount. If you read chapter 20, God is about to give them the Ten Commandments. So they are assembled together. The people of God went to the wilderness of Sinai to meet God, not an individual, the people of God. God had given words to Moses To the people, not an individual. Again, not for someone to say, I just need a word. I want a personal word from God. Right. Thinking individualistically. Right. This is the people of God that Moses spoke to. Now, the word for assembly used in Deuteronomy chapter nine, verse 10 in the Septuagint. Now, you know, sometimes seminarians, we have to use words to show people that we did get educated. The Septuagint, Septuagint just simply means the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So in the Septuagint, the word that is used for assembly is the word Ecclesia. Ecclesia is the New Testament word for church. So this is the church now. And so we can read this as the church of God was delivered uh, by God through Moses and brought to the wilderness of Sinai to meet with their God. God delivered these people because he chose them to be his own possession. He chose them before the foundation of the word, before the foundation of the world. And they came through the line of Abraham. God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 3, he says, go from your land, speaking to Abraham, your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation not a great individual. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and uh, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God promised Abraham that that he would make of him a great nation, a great nation. And how did he do it? Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob, Jacob had 12 sons. They end up in Egypt. All of them died, but their their descendants, they were having children, they were multiplying so that by the time that God delivered them, they were a nation. Why am I mentioning this? Because God has always had a community of people to worship him. Always. This is not a new concept, even all the way back in the book of Genesis, all the way back in Eden, God always had a community of people to worship him. Even though it was smaller, you had Adam and Eve. Then you had, after the the fall, you had Cain and Abel. How do we know that they worshiped? Because they brought sacrifices. He's always had a community of people to worship him. And so when people gather collectively, When we come and gather collectively, why do we do it? We come to remember the work of God in our lives. We come to remember his work. Just as the Israelites, they often celebrated God through feasts. Commemorating God's deliverance and what he has done in their lives, we come corporately worshiping together to remember what Jesus has done on our behalf. He is the object of our worship, always. The beauty of this is we get to do this together. We get to do it together. Our body, our physical body is made up of systems. Now, when I took biology, it just used to mess my head up. Uh, But I did learn that our body is made up of systems that work together. It's the the nervous system, the skeletal system, the lymphatic system, the immune system, the muscular system, circulatory system. And all of these systems are interdependent on one another. If one of those systems goes down, the rest of those systems can't function properly. Like our bodies. You and I, we need one another. We need one another. As much as we think that we don't. I love a a, a song that says, a, a part of the song that says, I need you, you need me. Hezekiah Walker. We're all a part of God's body. We need one another. And when I come on a Sunday, after a week, I see more and more of my need to have you in my life. I see that need. And I hope you feel that need of I need God's people in my life as well because I cannot live the life that God has called me to live on my own. Has any of you have you tried that to live this life that God has called you to live isolated? And this is something else I've been reminded of. Only Jesus in his in, in, in his person embodied and had all of the spiritual gifts that we see like Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Only Jesus had all of them. Now, you and I, we don't have all of the spiritual gifts. Now, you may have one or you may have more than one, but you don't have them all. But God has now placed us individually to be a part of this collective body where when the body comes together, then all of the gifts are present. We need all of the gifts together so that we could flourish and live the life that God has called us to live. So this just shows me it's not about me individually, but it's about we. It's about we, us together. We cannot carry out God's mission in this vast world by ourselves. It is impossible. Secondly, in God's mission, his people display his character to the whole world. Verses five and six says this. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the people's. Although the whole earth is mine and you will be my Uh, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you ought to say to the Israelites. When Israel was standing before God at Mount Sinai, they were a holy nation. Now, don't think of holy as what I can and can't do. I can't do this. I can't watch rated R movies. I can't listen to this type of song. I can't smoke, chew, or be around people that do. This is not about a bunch of dudes. This is about God calling his people out from the rest of the people to himself. They were distinguished from other nations. Now they were not better than other nations. They were just God's chosen people. He set them apart to display his glory. The call to be holy was a call to be different. To be different. So just think about this. What does holiness look like in your life in the spheres of influence that you have? What does that look like? It doesn't mean like you walk around on your job with a Bible under your arm, which you probably can't do. Or I can't talk to you because you ain't saved. Or Just being like that just want to ostracize people. We're not called to be separate, like in a sense of I can't be around you but how do I live in your midst as one who's set apart? Who's been set apart by God? The word, uh, the word means sacred, distinct from the common or profane. And they were to be holy because God is holy. Leviticus 19 verses 1 to 2 says, The Lord spoke to Moses, speak to, speak to the entire Israelite community and tell them, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. God is intrinsically holy. Holy. And then he calls his people to be holy and he provides the standard of obedience whereby this holiness is maintained. God is free from all of the moral imperfections and frailties common to you and I and he can be counted on to be faithful to fulfill and to keep his promises. The people of Israel were not perfect. They were sinful like you and me. I can stop right there now. I hope when you look at yourself you can see the depth of your sin but if you're in Christ I pray that you see the glory of Jesus that he died for your sin right? He died for that and because of his perfection I I, I look at my imperfection and I trust him who is the perfect one for Israel God had given them laws and a way of living Uh, to make sure that they were in the right relationship with himself and with others. And the way that they were to live was to be on display to the nations around them. They were not, they weren't to be like the nations around them. They were to be different, wholly from the nations around them, and to show those other nations, this is what our God is like. In order for them to display the character of God, they needed to know God. And in order to know God, God said that they needed to, the word says, carefully listen to me and keep my covenant. The word for listen is the word Shema, which involves effective hearing and listening that leads to understanding and obedience. So for those of us who are parents, we we, we may ask our kids, did you hear me? You gave them a command. Did you hear me? And the kids say, yeah, I heard you, but they didn't obey that command. If you didn't obey it, you didn't hear me. Okay. If if, if God has said something to us and we say, yeah, I know that, but we're not living in light of that. Are we really hearing what God has said? I don't know how many of you like bowling. I like it. I can't do it, but I like it. You can tell someone is a serious bowler. I'm not a serious bowler. I just want to use the bowling balls they got. I just want to use those. A serious bowler, they got their own bag. Right? They, 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 I mean, they got the gloves. I mean, they got their own shoes. They got it all. But, you know, like I have two uncles. They are serious bowlers. They're, they may be, they're what you call semi-professional. They're not like the ones that's, you know, that you see on ESPN. And I, don't, I still don't know how you make a bowling ball get to the gutter, don't even go in, but then come back and just knock down pins. But these guys that come, they, they come with a custom-made ball. Like the holes in the ball are drilled to the specification of their own hand, and it's a certain weight that they feel it's customized to them. To have your ball custom-made is to increase the possibility of effective delivery so that you can hit the mark. God has constructed every member of his body in a customized way. He says in the text, you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. God has uniquely crafted every one of us to hit the mark of his purpose and calling on our lives. Collectively, We display his character to those around us. So as he individually develops us, then we come together collectively to be his people on mission. We do this, not simply I do this. And finally, in God's mission, his people are responsible for one another. Verses 10 to 13 says this. And the Lord said, and the Lord told Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. They must wash their clothes and be prepared by the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put boundaries for the people all around the mountain and say, be careful that you you don't go up on the mountain or touch its base. Anyone who touches the mountain must be put to death. No hand may touch him. Instead, he will be stoned or shot with arrows and not live whether animal or human. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up the mountain. Here we see Moses giving instructions that he is to take to the people. Again, keep in mind the church. That's what I'm talking about, the church and its mission. Moses has been given instructions to take to the people of God. Now, if Moses didn't obey the instructions that God had given to inform the people how they were to approach God. By the way, we can't approach God any kind of way we want to approach him. He's holy. We come to God as he has outlined in his word, and how we come to him, we come to him in prayer. We come to him humbly. We don't come to him with our chest poked out. Like we deserve what we're gonna ask for. There is a way we approach God. Now, when Moses got, got had these instructions to get to the people on how they were to approach God. If, if Moses didn't give these instructions and the people crossed the line, then Moses' failure would have caused all a bunch of people to die. To die. But Moses took God's word to the people so that they may live. Now what does it mean to cross the line? The Bible uses the word transgression. Transgression, that means overstepping the limits that's like, and I've used this example before, I grew up in a house, um, uh, my, my grandmother had a, a wired fence, gate, and and, and and across the street there was uh, all of my friends and they would be playing. And I would go to my grandma. My grandma, can I, can I go across the street and play? My grandma would say, no, you can't. You can play in the yard, but you can't go across the street. And I'm just waiting, okay. I'm mad, but you're going to turn your back and go do something else. And so I'm going to wait Till you going and I'ma lift up that latch on the door and try to creep through and get it so I can go across the street. What I've done, I have overstepped the limits that my grandmother has given me. See, all of this is sin, and sin is evil doing. God has set the standard for human behavior, and when 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 humans don't meet that standard, they miss the mark. To miss the mark is is is, is a definition in the New Testament of sin. It's like I got to hit that mark, but I'm shooting with the crooked stick. No matter how many times I shoot it, I'm going to miss. Now, I want you to think about this. Now, I'm about to use my divine imagination. I'm letting you know that now when it comes to the text, because the text doesn't say this. And so when Moses told the people, as a matter of fact, what he did, if you read that, Moses probably told the elders and the elders took it back to the people. Right. That they were over. So Moses gives this to the elders. The elders go back to the people. Now, if there is someone in there just like, man, okay, I I hear what they're saying, but I'm going to do what I want to do. Now, if someone in the community would see someone who is not doing what God had outlined, what do you think they would do? Because they have come out of Egypt they have seen God give 10 plagues in Egypt. They have seen God do some miraculous things. So this God is real. As a matter of fact, we see his presence on the mountain. Would, would you be one, if you're in that crowd, would you be going, hey, hey, look, If man, y'all, y'all, y'all might want to make sure you go consecrate yourself because I don't want you to go touch that mountain. Would, would you be one that does that? If you were in the presence of God and you knew that this is what God would do, Why am I mentioning this? Because I feel like there's a, again, we have a responsibility for one another as we corporately worship this true God. See, Moses' words to the people were a warning for them not to transgress God's word, not to sin. God says in Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, he says, now if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and acts unjustly and I put a stumbling block in front of him, he will die. If you do not warn him, he will die because of his sin and the righteous acts he did will not be remembered. Yet I will hold you responsible for his blood, but if you warn the righteous person that he should not sin and he does not sin, he will indeed live because he listened to your warning and you will have rescued yourself. Now what was true in the Old Testament is also true in the New Testament. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, Starting in verse 19, he says, now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. Notice this, he says, I am warning you about these things. Paul felt a responsibility to warn the people of God about the things that God hates. He says that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. When a person in the community sins, it affects all of us. It doesn't just affect the person who sins. It affects all of us. Why? Because Paul says in Romans chapter 12, we are all one body. We are interconnected. Interconnected. In the Old Testament, when people sinned, like David, he did. Who was affected? Was it only David? No. David's family and the entire community was affected. Therefore, you and I must learn to do the one another's well. The one another's. What are they? The Bible says we pray for one another. We love one another. We don't grumble against one another. We don't lie to one another. My friends, this points to we need one another. Many Christians take the posture that they don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Now, that is technically true. You don't need to come to church to be a Christian, but you do have to go to church to be a good Christian. A man asked his daughter, He's in the house and it's morning time. So we asked his daughter, he says, Are you gonna cook breakfast? She said, I'm not hungry. He asked her again, he says, Are you gonna cook breakfast? And she said yet again, I'm not hungry. And so he tried one more time and he says, Are you the only person that lives here? His daughter shrugged her shoulders and said, I'm not hungry. And as he couldn't take it anymore, and he said this, he says, Well I'm hungry and I want breakfast. So, in other words, I need you to go cook. Why did I mention that? This speaks to fellowship. That, uh, that what, a, what a person does impacts the rest of the community, it, it impacts the rest of the body. In order to be the kind of Christian that God wants you and I to be, we need the dynamic fellowship, the dynamic motivation and the dynamic inspiration of the people of God. And I not only do you need it, but I need it. And so when we come here to corporately gather, what do we do? We come and bring all of who we are. We come with a willing heart to serve and to give to someone else. Why? Because it's not about you. It's not about me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Again, thank you for your church. Thank you for the body of Christ. And thank you that this, the church is something that has been your plan from the foundation of the world. And so Lord God, I pray for Reconciliation Church that uh, we will continue to be a people as, as as since we are so young as a church that we would pursue you and that as we pursue you we would do that in the context of community togetherness and we would see that we need one another and that the mission that you have given us Lord God is to display your character to the whole world and so we want to display your glory to those around us on our jobs, in our communities in our homes so Lord use us, glorify your name I do pray In the name of Christ Jesus, amen.